Welcome to Radar. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. Gregory Porter embodies the best of what a popular singer should be. He's a suave and stylish songbird with the heart of a poet, painting the lyrics he's reciting onto his canvas while letting his soul lead the way. With six albums under his belt, he's had the opportunity to do a little bit of everything and do it well, from traditional interpretations from the Great American Songbook to more contemporary fare. If that weren't enough, he's also a talented songwriter. Like all of us, Mr. Porter is ready to get the needle back in the groove that his career was in prior to the pandemic, which included five Grammy nominations and two wins. In fact, Gregory won two Grammys in the same category in the same year for two different albums. Has anyone ever done that before? Porter is back on the road. Our New York City area listeners will have one treasured opportunity to catch him in our region at the beautiful New Jersey Performing Arts Center on Tuesday, September 21st, before he jets off to the UK and Europe in November. So join Gregory and I as we discuss his latest work, our mutual affinity for Nat King Cole, whether or not he's a vinyl disciple, and hear some secrets about his creative process. You'll find him incredibly intelligent, insightful, and passionate about his work. And hopefully, you'll walk away feeling lucky that we have a vocalist as skilled as Porter is in our modern midst. I know I do. Just talk to me a little bit about how you got involved with and began to love uh, music. You know, what were some of your musical roots from the... uh, And how did you get over to the Great American Songbook or American Standards? What were some of your uh, influences or uh, inspirations there? Um... Music for me started in church. My mother was a minister. And uh, I guess uh, of the eight children, I was the best singer. So I was her songbird. And uh, she encouraged my singing a lot. Uh, She played Nat King Cole in the house. So listening to the music of Nat King Cole was my first start. Um, And, you know, I used to play around with songwriting, but literally just play around with it. I didn't know that I was... uh, I had a knack for poetry and a, and, a, and a gift for these things, even though both my mother and my father were, were poets. Um, and I studied poetry and all, all this kind of thing. I didn't know I could do it. Right. Until I had really strong emotions inside of me that made me want to write songs. That was songwriting chose me as, a, as opposed to me choosing it. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. Well, one one out of eight. That you had some pretty stiff competition there, as far as who the best singer was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a really strong competition, and so um, if, also attention for the just the outright attention of my mother. So. <laughs> right, right, right. So that was that was good for uh, you know. Yeah, I love the part of your story where, you know, you worked as a chef at a restaurant in Brooklyn and you even performed there. Tell us a little bit about that beginning in entertainment. And what did you learn about the whole chain of entertainment in that experience? Did did you did you get any insight about the whole, you know, top to bottom uh, entertainment world uh, approach? Mm, Not so much in in, in a small place like that, but even, you know, it's it's a biblical experience. uh, passage about being great in little. If you can be great in little, you can be great in much. And I so I remember it. trying to hold the attention 
to say something interesting, to to say something real from my heart. I remember doing that at, at the very smallest gigs that I did. Right. Uh, wherever it was, it, whether it was in, <laughs> in my brother's little restaurant or coffee shop or uh, little small clubs. Now I try to do that same thing at the Carnegie Hall or Royal Albert Hall. It doesn't matter. Right. Did that lead you to your online cooking program? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Porterhouse? I love that. I, uh, I, I think you're going to have a chain of restaurants called the Porterhouse. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's that's you know that's a uh, the, that's the business plan. A little bit in the future when the music is is uh, you know is is uh, <laughs> I, the music will never be on the back burner. I'll, I'll I'll probably have some music in in my uh, my eating establishment, but um. Food has always been a big thing in the family. And so obviously I learned to cook from my mother, but um, it was one of my first jobs uh, cooking in a, in a professional kitchen. And so, uh, you know, I think it, during the pandemic, when we had time and, and, and energy uh, to burn, um, I just wanted to show all, you know, another facet of my life, which is uh, cooking, the social part of it, bringing people together, right? Uh, which is in a way very much related to music. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and the history uh, behind food and the things that we love, um, that's, that's always fascinating to me. So, so that's how the Porterhouse came about. Well, good. It's a great show. It's fun to watch for sure. Yeah, thank you. You got it. Um, obviously, uh, I loved your tribute, as many people did, to Nat King Cole. You mentioned uh, yeah. mom played him around the house uh, growing up. My dad used to tell me a story uh, about his his brother. This would be my uncle, who I actually never met. But he was a waiter in Las Vegas for a while. And the story that he told was that all the Rat Pack guys would uh, come into the restaurant and they were all completely off the wall, except for Nat King Cole. Like, he was this yeah. true gentleman and I feel Nat's a little lost in the shuffle when it comes to singers of that era. You know, he's a little overshadowed by the Rat Pack guys. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that album, how it came about and your relationship with his music, even though now we know that mom, uh, mom was a big influence with the music with that? I came to Nat's music in the absence of my father and looking for and listening for fatherly advice. I heard it in Nat's music. And... He became, you know, something that I latched on in a very early age, maybe six or seven. I started to listen to and actively seek Nat's music and um, just a lifelong relationship listening to his music and discovering, um, you know, old songs, hidden gems. I still do that. I still love to find something that I've never heard before, even if it's a, a, a beer commercial, mm. a Rheingold beer commercial. Right. I love to find, find things like that from Nat King Cole. Um, yeah, just a, it's a really personal tribute to the music of Nat King Cole, um, Nat King Cole and me. He helped me find my voice, mm. uh, even, even helped me find my own writing voice. I'm, I'm constantly trying to write something as thoughtful and as profound as Nature Boy, that last line of Nature Boy. Mm. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And 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 I'm thankful for for Nat putting that message and those words in my ear. Uh, written by Eden Abez, but but made popular uh, by the great Nat King Cole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Nat King Cole, and I'm always championing his. 
the early piano trio recordings, which I, I'm always like, uh, you know, he and Nina Simone, everybody forgets they both were these awesome piano players and just could, yeah. you know, those those trio recordings are so fun to listen to. I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, I mean, Nat is amazing and influenced a lot of people. Um, I talked to uh, Oscar Peterson's family and, and they talked about... Uh, uh, Oscar Peterson's great love of Nat King Cole, and 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 Oscar Peterson would say so. I think Oscar Peterson, is, you know, is up there with one of the, the the greatest pianists that ever lived. And to to have uh, respect and reverence uh, for somebody who's not as well known for uh, their piano work. It's 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 it's, it's e- even me as a singer. I'm I'm a little bit dumbfounded at the at the fact that he stepped away from the piano and was became a stand-up singer right because you know he was so extraordinary at both i i i i i wish there was more of him doing both but uh but but then it's great hearing him with the orchestra and and hearing him with other bands as well but uh, and big bands so but uh really extraordinary artists and he could have been only a piano player without question. Right. Uh, and he would still be great. Um, but the two together, I, I think he was just an extraordinary artist, many artists uh, of, of that time in many ways, for many reasons were, were overlooked and, and uh, you know, because of their extraordinary talent. He was, I, I don't mean to say that he was completely overlooked, but in, in the, uh, how shall we say the, the the lexicon or the pantheon of 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 of, of musical greats? Um, I, I feel that he should be a, a bit more respected because he's so unique yeah. and, and so beautiful. Uh, but you know, I'm biased because I almost <laughs> I almost see him as a family member in a way, right? Because the music has been you know such a such a uh, an important part of my life yeah. yes he's up there with uh, sinatra and tony bennett as far as i'm concerned for sure yeah yeah, yeah have you likewise. have you thought of other uh tribute albums coming down the road any any other uh, uh albums using that sort of model that uh, other artists that you might consider delving into their catalog well you know this is an interesting thing uh, in my career and in my voice i i i, I like to think that I'm in between Nat King Cole and Donny Hathaway. Um, so I think, uh, you know, as as a soul singer um, whose voice was trained and cultivated in the church, um, I have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, of uh, uh, how shall I say, um, influence coming from you know, the great voice of, of, of Donny Hathaway in some time, maybe right. uh, I'll have the opportunity to do that. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm cultivating my own words and, and melodies to, and, and uh, though influenced by masters such as uh, Nat King Cole and, and, and Abby Lincoln and Nina Simone, um, in some ways, I prefer now the 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 for people to hear the influence that these people have had on my life as as a as a straight out uh, tribute album. Though uh, Nat King Cole to me is very precious to me, um, 
yeah, I, 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 I prefer to have, to, you know, for, to be moved by the influence of them in my life. Yeah. Right, right. Well, we know about your connections to music and musicians from the golden days of Americans of the American Songbook. But how about some more contemporary folks? Who are you listening to now, or who do you enjoy seeing on the same bill as yourself when you're when you're doing a, any of these festivals or anything like that? Is there anyone that comes to mind that you're uh, really enjoying now? These great female singers that are out now: a Savant and uh, a Jasmine Horn. I am. You know, blown away at their like clarity and beauty. Um, I think the future of of jazz vocals is is, is in good hands. Uh, is in good voice. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, my interest in jazz is so varied. I'm, I appreciate and love uh, the wide range and 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 musical perspective of, 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 of Robert Glasper. I like the fact that soul singers and R&B singers like Lettucey can come in and do a tribute to, uh, to Nina Simone and have it make a big splash in the jazz world. Right. Um, so I'm, 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 I like the fact that, that the dynamics of, of jazz is 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 uh, is being stretched at the moment, and, and I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, me too. I've been enjoying a lot of the uh, new things happening, and particularly a lot of the uh, groups or artists coming out of the UK. There's a, like a whole uh, a whole UK uh, thing going on, right? There's a whole lot of UK, uh, uh, you know, uh, energy. Uh, they're all my friends, and yeah. we've been seeing each other at, at the jam sessions or or television shows or radio shows in the UK and I love the fact that they are climbing the ladder of, of interest and popularity uh, as well so yeah definitely a resurgence of the uh, UK jazz scene for sure cool um, I'd really I haven't gotten my you see I have my record collection here I haven't gotten my hands on your vinyl box set yet which I, I really want to pick up uh, have oh. you are you a fan of uh, vinyl or records or do you have anything or are you a digital guy yeah, I have the. I have a room like this on the. I'm oh, in my you pool do? house right now. On the other side of my pool house, I think I have mm, well over three thousand records. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, I'm, 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 and I <laughs> and there's more in the house. So yeah, I'm crazy about vinyl. Um, I, I feel like I probably like I, I, you know the, the funny thing is because I grew up with vinyl. It's like I, I felt like once my music was on vinyl, then I felt permanent. Then I felt like okay. Maybe maybe I'll be around for a little while, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it, it's true, you know. And uh, I'm a musician too, and you know, you do these digital releases, and they're they're it's fine. But I guess people of our are maybe maybe people who are younger than us. We're a similar age, I suppose. But uh, there's yeah. something about that tangible uh, thing. Once you're on there, you know, it's it's real, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I, I went into the vault at. Uh, at, at Capitol Records, and there contains the music uh, from the, the Blue Note catalog, and you know, obviously the Capitol catalog. So, in, in one hand, I'm holding Nat King Cole's "Love Is a Thing," and then in the other hand, I'm holding uh, Horace Silver's "Song for My Father," and. This is the original pressings, the original uh, recordings, and it's just, it's 
it's so powerful and it carries so much energy to have the physical product in your hand. And yeah. so I think that's what it, it, I, I like to think that people are because of the popularity of vinyl now, the resurgence of it. Sure. I like to think that people want to slow down, that people want uh, to be a little analog in their lives and right. and and uh, and decompress and take time to put a piece of music on and drop the needle on on the uh, on the record. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. And it's a thing for me. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, since you're a collector, I'll just tell I'll just brag for a second. I found a copy of Songs for My Father just a few weeks ago in a thrift store for five dollars. Yeah. Five dollars. Right. It was original pressing, blue note. Ooh. Oh man, it's it's good. Oh, it's a beaut. So that's awesome, man. I wanted to awesome. brag a little bit with someone who would appreciate who who else could, would appreciate that? You know what I mean? I love that. Love that. Um, love how do you go about preparing for an album like the song choices and the arrangements? I know you've worked with a few different producers, but what's your what's your process of putting Putting a putting a project together. Um, what moves me? I, I think um, I'm in a search for authenticity on stage in my live performance, and I like that in my, the recording as well. So I want to tell the truth. I want to sing something that moves me, whether it be about you know social justice or whether it be about something that's happened in my life about love um, or equality. Um or resurrection or renewal, whatever the theme is, right. I like for it to have a real emotion in me that moves me. So when I sing those words, it's not phony. I'm not putting on airs. This is really what I believe. Right. And this, this goes back to Nat King Cole. I, I, you know, this, this lyric, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. I suspect that Nat King Cole believes that when he sang it. When I sing Nature Boy, I believe that. Right. And when I sing um, Take Me to the Alley or No Love Dying or uh, any of the records and the music from All Rise, I believe those words. And so when I come before the audience, it's not some phony thing I have to conjure up about, you know, uh, about all the bling bling and all the diamonds and all the girls that I got. It's 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 just, you know, maybe that is true. No, just joking. But but maybe but maybe maybe I'm saying some things that are real to me. Right. So when I come off stage, people are saying, man, that felt like reality and authenticity. And and uh so I try to build it into the structure of the music so that the people hear it. So we're here to discuss your big New Jersey show at NJ Pack. It'll be Friday, September 24th at 8 p.m. And you've played NJ Pack before. How are the live sh shows going lately in this uh, post-pandemic phase? And what can people expect to see at these uh, at your uh, recent shows? Well, like uh, my shows in the past, it's kind of a uh, retrospect of, 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 of my career songs from my previous uh, five, six albums, but heavily weighted towards uh, the new material uh, on All Rise. But, you know, when, when, when people come to see me, they expect to hear um, the songs of my origins, which is, you know, On My Way to Harlem, No Love Dying, Hey Laura, uh, Take Me to the Alley. Um, so, yeah, and I've, I'll throw one or two Nat King Cole songs in there if, 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 uh, if I can. But um, I've had three uh, concerts since the beginning of the uh, this kind of new open, mm -hmm. the open era. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> the renewal, the revival. Um, so weird. So yes, weird. it's been wonderful. I think I think the 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 the, the you know reengaging with this audience that we haven't seen in a year and a half has been you know a real a blessing, and I'm thankful. I'm right. thankful to them. Um, that they held on and and uh, and are still caring and listening and 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 plugged in and tuned in because really without them it's rehearsal without them it's a you know you're an off balance artist you have you have no body to express to and so I'm thankful to the audiences to the venues uh, to lighting to sound to mm-hmm. everybody that creates. Um, this musical experience. Uh, and, and, and that's what I, I think now, I think I, I, I always thought about the crew that puts a show together before, but now I'm like, um, when I'm, you know, the sound guy is, 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 is equally as important to me and, 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 and me achieving what, what I do on stage. And so I'm thankful to everybody. Uh, I, I felt that way. The last three performances, thankful, to everybody for helping us put this thing together. Yeah. Right. Well, what's next? Uh, obviously we've all got a long road here getting back to uh, normal or, or I'm sure you've got more concerts and things, but uh, what do you think is uh, over the horizon uh, coming up for you as we, as we go forward? I'm optimistic um, that the shows that I have on the books will be, uh, will take place. Um, we have some work to do as a as a people, as a population, and I say that I mean this is, this is worldwide. Yeah. Um, I had some shows at the Royal Albert Hall coming up in 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 London, and I uh, you know fully expect uh, that to happen. And and in in Europe, I have a U.S. tour, um, and and I'm hoping and praying that people, um, you know. Uh, you know, follow what it is that we need to do to 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 open up and conquer this mad moment that we're in. Mm. Um, because you know what, we need the music to to bring us out of this. Right. So you know, let's get it together. Let's get vaccinated. Let's get this thing cleaned up so we can enjoy each other again. I mean, it's <laughs> that's right. It's true. You know? that's true. Well, I may yeah. not make it to the Royal Albert Hall concerts, but I will try to get to Newark. Okay, Newark's, uh, you know, hey, Newark's a little more convenient for me. That is no small. That is no small jive place. You know, this is a a wonderful place to be, and um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to to sharing with that audience again. Yes, it's a big, beautiful room, and I'm sure you're uh, going to do a great job. And I thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Your time and your insights, and uh, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank you very much. Real pleasure. Really, really is my pleasure. Thank you. All right, Mr. Porter. We'll see you later. Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with WFDU 89.1 FM and The Vinyl District. You can hear Radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.